morning. You guys may be seated in the his house. Well, welcome to Pro Street Church, everybody. Hopefully you are doing well. You're doing good. Life is good. You're plugging away. Jesus is Lord. He's still on his throne. Amen. If you are new, so good to have you. We don't normally have protesters outside. That's not normal, okay? That's not a normal thing to have somebody standing outside with a sign, although it is the second time in our history, and it's awesome. So throw it out there. It is legit to have uh, haters, right? Every time they show up, I'm like, yeah. Snap a picture, put it on Instagram. Put it on the gram. We got haters. Oh, man, but that's, uh, that's life, right? Jesus said, once you commit to me, you're going to have persecution inside of this world. And, uh, you know, just the, the tough thing is, and I'll just jump into him really quickly, just for those that don't know or understand kind of what's going on. Maybe you're kind of new to church or whatever. But uh, sometimes people can get into semantics. And uh, it's a very religious thing that happens when people believe that they have a, a greater understanding than another group of people. This is religious. Um, they, they begin to project that on the body of Christ rather than using it as motivation in order to love people, right? Because we serve a God of love that wants to take understanding and knowledge and information and be shaped by it to, to have a greater heart of compassion and love for a broken world. And, and rather than moving in condemnation, individuals that walk in maturity of the word will, walk in, will move in love, right? Will move in, in care and compassion towards people. And uh, so, unfortunately, Henry's outside. So if you want to say hi to Henry on your way out, you can do that. But here's the deal. You've been, if you've been here for the past couple of weeks, I'm preaching. The gospel I preach is faith through Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ, grace. Uh, we're saved by grace through faith, right, in Jesus Christ. We all believe that, right? We stand on that. This is, this is not by our works. We cannot work for salvation, right? This is a free gift that comes from God. But now, right, we're born into sin. Adam uh, brought sin into the world. But this good gift, as we said last week, Jesus Christ has saved us from the condemnation of sin. So it's through Christ that now we walk in righteousness in order to achieve walk in holiness, righteousness, godliness, to present ourselves before our creator. Now, here's the deal. Henry believes all of that. What Henry does, his, he, he's saying out there, this is what he's saying. He's saying... Yes, but you lose your salvation. If you sin once, you lose your salvation. So you got to come back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. You can lose your salvation. Yeah, I agree with that. And he would spin another web. Just another thing going all over the place. Here's the deal. We're saved by grace through faith. Amen. Now we walk in righteousness and honor towards God. That's what we do, right? If we sin... We ask for forgiveness. We get back in right standing, right? If we live a life of sin, now we will live a eternity away from God. You've heard me say that, right? He wants to get into the semantics there. You sin once, you're going to hell. Like, if you live a life of sin, yes, you could spend eternity away from God, yes. But one sin, right? It's a process, right? When you were born, you put a diaper on because you pooped your diaper. Hopefully, you don't have a diaper on anymore. We're on the same page here, right? It's the same thing we learn. That's what discipleship is. That's the whole point of discipleship. Jesus' apostles made mistake after mistake after mistake. And he's like, how many times I got to tell you, right? 
It's a process. So sanctification is a process. He just wants to be like, no, you right when you're saved, everything's worked out. I'm like, good luck on that one, buddy. Right. It doesn't work that way. So I asked him, I was like, so do you sin? And he's like, well, it's my choice to sin. I'm like, yeah, but do you sin? What I want him to say is yes, but so you lost your salvation. Okay, cool. Semantics, right? So that's just semantics. Say hi to Henry on the way out. Okay, everybody. Hey, Henry. Hey. Hey, Henry. <laughs> Love you. God bless you. You know, just don't try to get in a conversation with him because he's just going to spin webs all over the place. Spin, 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 web, 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 web. He doesn't know what he's, he, he, the Bible, Jesus talks about this. If you think, if you think the, the light that you have uh, on the inside of you is actually darkness, how deep, how dark is that darkness? And when you have a veil of darkness like that over your eyes where you don't move in love, when you understand truth and you move in judgment, how scary that, that is. Because you will walk in condemnation to hurt as many people as possible trying to make yourself feel better about what you believe. It's scary. So um, if you're new to our church, uh, sorry about the... Well, I'm not sorry about it. This is awesome. It's what we do, right? It's what it is. We just can't get caught up in stuff. And stuff like that's going to happen, especially with where we're going. With where we're going as a church and a body of Christ and what Christ is doing inside of here, lives are transformed. People are walking from darkness into light. Powerful stuff is happening inside of here. And so we should expect crazy, crazy, I'm not calling them crazy. We expect crazy things to happen. That's what I was trying to go with that. So cool. If you are new, we are a church for the unchurched. That's what we're called to do. That's why we exist. And we're working really hard to do that. Um, I know I said in February when we started Fearless Fund 2.0, things got a little crazy and I have not given you an update. So as of Fearless Fund 2.0 that we started in February, we've committed $176,000 over the next year. Awesome, great job. And to date, you guys have given, I said I, I was off last service, it was actually a $132,000, it's just under 32, but we'll call it 32, $132,000 towards us. Joanna's laughing because she does all the books and stuff. So she's like, ah, that's not exactly right. I know, it's 131,800 and like something. All good. Uh, so thank you guys for your, your generosity towards the house and what we're moving in and uh, the building a future for our church. If you have not jumped in and been a part of Fearless Fund, you can do that. Uh, you can give towards it. We'd love for you to make a pledge to give towards the future of our church. I can't share everything that's going on right now. It's coming very soon where I can share some stuff. Um, and uh, you, it'll blow your mind because it's blown my mind. But until then, let's just keep on being obedient and being generous because God's going to blow it up inside of our city through Pro Street Church. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so, all right. Um, also, we're going to be starting something called Church Night. Church Nights once a month on May 25th. We're coming up on our seventh anniversary. Uh, so May 25th is our anniversary. So it's a Tuesday night. We're like, let's just have a church night, and we'll do it once a month. We live in a world that's so busy, and COVID has wrecked shop on our world here today. And so it's very hard to do tables where people are going into homes and growing and learning and connecting. So we're just going to bring everybody to the church. And it could get crazy. It could get wild. We'll see what happens. We may have to do like RSVP for one week and then you can't come to the next week because we know people will be signed up for every week. We understand how it works. Church rats want to be here all the time. We get it. But uh, we're going to be starting something some called Church Nights on May 25th just to come in and connect and relate. Uh, last thing you need is another message. 
you need a friendship, you need a relationship with your brother and sister in Christ. So that's going to be the whole intent of what we do to get together. And uh, if you don't love your brother and sister, I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if you got love in your heart. Uh, so we are in a, a series called At the Cross. There's so much power in what's happened at the cross. And maybe inside of our over-commercialized over world, every holiday, even Christian holidays or things that we focus on can be commercialized. And in that world of like uh, commercialism, we can start to focus on the benefits of the holiday as opposed to uh, um, the intent of why we remember it. And Easter is one of those things, right? We, we look at this Easter bunny that, and we, we have eggs that have candy inside of them and bunnies don't actually have eggs. They have babies. It's just like a weird thing. But we can get so excited around the day and the gatherings and miss out on the power of what happened. The cross, what happened at the cross. We can lose the power because we're so caught up in the, pla uh, the pageantry and we can lose sight of that. And so, you know, the, the whole point of why I had this conversation is, man, we want to talk at the cross. And each week we've talked about something different, just the power of what the cross is. And I'm going to close it out today. This is the end of the journey of at the cross. We're going to talk about Mother's Day next week. We got mothers and it's going to be awesome. And we're starting a new series called Rooted in Two Weeks and it's going to be good. But uh, today, how many of you guys have ever ever found yourself where you keep on making the same mistakes? Anybody? Keep on making those same mistakes over and over and over and over. You lose your keys, right? You just keep on showing up to work late, right? You've been there. You, you just keep on making the same mistakes. And, and it's so frustrating because you're like, why can't I learn? Why can't I get better, right? Why can't I improve? Why can't I just move forward, right? And we, we, we have these challenges inside of our lives. I mean, there's, there's areas in my life where um, you know, I just keep on making that same mistake. And I feel like, man, like this is, why can't I get myself out of the routine? Why can't I get myself out of that like bad that bad action, that thing that's just causing me frustration or, you know, whatever. My biggest thing today is sweets. I love me some sweets. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Heather just bought Oreos recently, and she is a sinner, and she's trying to <laughs> cause me to fall short of the glory. Right? There, there's, we all have things that we fall short in, these things that are challenges, these, these things that are a struggle. And ultimately what it is, is it's just a highlight that there's an area of our lives that we're not progressing in. There's an area in our lives that we're not moving forward in. There's something in our lives that continually is a hindrance to us moving forward and getting better. Right? If, if, if we walked into our workplace today and we walked in and we stayed in the, the same state of understanding ability, we will probably stay there and exist there for the rest of our entire career, right? If we just come in, do the hum Joe, do, you know, just doing it, more than likely, there's not going to be any type of opportunity ahead of us, right? Just people are like, well, they really are just content doing what they're doing. They're not really getting better. I mean, we don't see any improvement. We just see them doing what they're doing, Right? And I think for us as, as believers, we, we're called to do something greater. We're called to be something greater. We're called to improve every single day, improve, get better. And it, sometimes we can fall, fall victim to a mentality that we, we just, we'll just keep making the same mistakes every single day. We'll keep, we'll keep on making the same bad behaviors, you know, just doing the same thing every single day. Bad, bad mental health. We keep thinking the wrong things. Focusing on all the wrong things, as Paul said, don't think on stuff like that. Think on things that are good, right, true, and noble. Put your mind in a different area. 
But, but we can wake up every day in the mentality that we're going to stay the same. We're just apathetic about life. We just exist. We're just here. We just go with the flow. We're just animals. We just react to moments. And we just, there's nothing really guiding the decisions. There's no real affection that's ahead of us. We just are here. But, but we can be very frustrated with our existence when we get a year or two or three down the road and say, what have we achieved? What have we gained? We're, we're still in the same funk. We're still dealing with the same junk. Come on, let's just rhyme it out here, right? <laughs> I, I couldn't think of another one, so it stops right there. That's awesome. But we're, that, there's frustration there, right? That, there's, there's no object of affection for something greater, something that's, that's out there to say, you know what? Yeah, I am in this position. I, I'm holding this down inside of my career, but I want to get better. I want to know what my manager knows. I want to know why we produce these products and what benefit is to the end user. Now, now there's, you're inquisitive. You're, 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 you're starting to expand your mind to say there's, there's something greater than what I'm just doing right here and now. Usually opportunity is in front of individuals that are pushing forward, that are moving forward, that are asking questions, that are saying, I, I don't want to just stay where I'm at. I believe that there's something greater ahead of me. You know, as a pastor, one of the things I do with my mentors is say, tell me what I don't know and please tell me what I need to know. Tell me where I am stupid at, please. Give me some wisdom so I'm not so dumb, basically is what I'm saying. That's why I can be hard with you because I'm hard on myself and I'm hard with my mentor. Like, be hard on me. I take it like a man or a woman, okay, equal opportunity. <laughs> take it like an adult, you're not where you need to be. I'm not where we need to be. How do we get better? How do we improve? How do we move forward? Opportunity stands in front of individuals that are trying to move forward inside of their lives. Right? Now, I'm setting that up. That's, that's, that's more, you know, not spiritual. But what I'm saying is the same approach is the approach that God has for us inside of our spiritual lives. That, that there should be some inspiration ahead of us. There should be some humility to say, we don't have it all figured out. There should be some, some, some desire on the inside of us to say, I, I started in this place, but I, I want to move forward inside of my life. I, I want to get better. I want to know more of God. I want to know more of his character. I want to get better in my disciplines. I want to, I want to move forward in my living. I don't want to just stay here in the same funk dealing with the same junk. There should be a desire. The cross is this place that we run to for salvation because usually the dysfunctional lives in which we are living, there's decisions that are made that put us in chaos and we say, man, we, we've got a gaping hole in our heart. We are, we are broken and we're desperate in need. We tried to do our own thing and it's not working out and then we come running towards the cross to say, God, help us, right? Everybody needs a doctor, when something is wrong, everybody, we all need to run to the doctor. We got to get to a place. Whenever we have an emotional breakdown, we all need a friend to care for us and love us and, and, and meet us there. Everybody loves that. We all love that. We love running to places of refuge whenever we are broken. But do we love the correction that comes on the backside? Our friend was there for us when our heart was broken. When he said he was going to do this and then he left you. 
We were there. Our friend was there with us. But then our friend says, now, why are you dating individuals like this? This is the third time you've been down this journey. Don't tell me who I can date and what I can do. What are you trying to do? You ain't a friend of mine no more. We love the refuge, but do we love the correction? That's addressing the behaviors. Everybody loves the doctor. Oh, help me. You saved me from a massive heart attack. But you've been eating yourself to an oblivion. You have no care or concern over your diet. You're putting anything and everything inside of your mouth. We saved your life, but you need to change your diet. Oh, doctor, try to tell me. It's a free country. I can eat whatever I want. You can, you can, and you're going to eat yourself right into death, right? You, you get what I'm saying here? We all love refuge, but do we like correction? Do we like encouragement? Do we like wisdom? Do we enjoy people when they say, you dumb? It's time to wise up. Probably shouldn't go too far down that because we're going to have a whole series called Rise Up and Rise, rise, up, and rise up or something like that. I think that's what it's called. That's summertime, summertime. Everybody loves the refuge. Everybody loves the encouragement. Everybody likes when we're broken being put back together. But do we want to live a life where we don't keep on moving towards destruction? The cross is a moment of refuge. But we should have a desire to move from the cross in decisions that don't lead towards destruction. Paul would say this in Philippians 3. Paul would say in Philippians 3, verse number 12, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed in me. Now, Paul killed Christians, met Jesus, transformed life, traveled around the world, preaching the gospel, setting up churches, okay? I'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a minute. He's saying, I'm not trying to say I got it all together because I don't. He knows what's up. He knows he's a sinner saved by grace. He knows he's still got challenges inside of his life. I'm not saying I, I have it all together is what he says. But what does he go on to say? I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed in me. No, uh, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Leave it up real quick. What is Paul saying? I've been changed by Christ. I found refuge at the cross. But my life now is moved from the cross. Perfection was found at the cross. I was fully justified. The price was fully paid. I stood before my creator without blot or blemish. But I walked into a real life in a sinful world. So I can't sit here and be like, okay, cool. I'm good now. The blood, I'm good. What is he saying? I stepped into a real world. Christ started me in perfection. Now in life, I'm pressing on to perfection, that which was first started in me. What does it mean? You step out from salvation, you are already at a disadvantage from the perfection that started in you. He's already said, I don't have it together. 
I got to press on now. I got to move forward now. I got to keep on moving forward with the Holy Spirit inside of my life in order to overcome all of these challenges. Because what do I want to do? Where's going to go? Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. There's eternity. There's this heavenly prize, this thing that's ahead of me. So today I live presently with a pressing on. Not caught up in the moment, not caught up in the challenges, not caught up in the struggle, living through it, pressing on through it. I'm not living in that perfection that started, but I want to get to that perfection. That perfection, man, at the cross, we dealt with our issues. We dealt with our shame. We dealt with our pain. We dealt with our sin. All of that was dealt with. There was perfection that started at the cross on the inside of us. Now we step out and we got to keep on pressing on through all of that chaos. Keep on pressing on through all the chaos, all the dysfunction. Man, why do I act like this? Why do I think like this? Man, I don't want to look back. I don't really want to look back at my life. I don't want to, I don't want to focus on what was. How many of you guys have, you get there sometimes. You start thinking about the good old days. Remember when we didn't have some kids? <laughs> Remember we had all this time to ourselves? It was so much better then, right? Remember whenever, you know, I was single? Remember whenever I was a teenager? Remember when I was back in high school? Remember when I was in college? Man, it was so legit. More than likely, you're looking at a time where your life was not honoring God. You're looking at a time like, man, it was so free and I could just go do and up. You remember the, the fun, but we, we tend to overlook the pain unless it's egregious, right? There's a there's a song that uh, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for performances, but uh, Kelsey Beller, Bellarini sang this song, and it's a country song, and hey, man, I'm all, all things to all people. I listen to everything. Not really. Every, I don't really listen to everything, but <laughs> all types of music I will tune into, uh, not necessarily on a daily basis, but you know, I can, I can get down with a good beat. <laughs> but she wrote this song called Half of My Hometown. It was such a great it's a great song to take you back. It puts you in that moment, right? It puts you in that moment back when you were in your hometown, whatever it was. She, she was singing a song that goes like this. Half of my hometown still hanging around, still talking about that one touchdown. <laughs> They're still wearing red and black. Go Bobcats while the other half. Of my hometown, they all got out. Some went north, some went south. They're still looking for a feeling half of us ain't found. So stay or leave. Part of me will always be half of my hometown. Thank you. You're welcome. That's what you woke up this morning to come to, a church where I was singing. Amen. But I was listening to the song and I found myself thinking about, man, back in the day, East Central High School. Black and gold. Hey, <laughs> you cut me, I might bleed black and gold. Hornets, let's go. Right? Right? Norma's tacos. Hey, man. El Tipico. Hey, man. Hey, man. Okay, I'm just going back. All the South Side knows what I'm talking about right now. Hey, man. I just took you back for a second, right? You, you listen to it and it takes you back. Right, but 
that, that thing, you know, you start, we start remembering, man, looking backwards and, oh, it was better then. But let me just tell you, it is not better then. Your life is much better now in Christ Jesus. Your future is much brighter now. There was some good times then, but there is some good times now, and there are some good times ahead of you. We should not be looking back, but we should be pressing on, right? See the deal. You change that song. You change that song spiritual. Let's just make it spiritual just for a second. Half of my hometown is still hanging around, living a sinful, destructive life, putting on shame and pain and destruction, saying, go hell, go the devil, let's go, right? Half of my hometown is still looking for a feeling that they can't find. Half of the world is looking for a feeling that they can't find out of Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus Christ. It's not looking back. It's looking forward. Christ has started something. He is faithful to complete the work that he has started on the inside of us. There is perfection. We can't get caught up in what was. We got to get caught up in what is and what can be. We are unfinished. Every single one of us are unfinished. We got work to do. We all have some work to do. Amen. That's right. She got that slow clap on like, she was doing that for her neighbor. She like, right there, right? You hear slow claps, you know it's for our neighbors. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so the cross has so much power. So much power at that cross, but it doesn't stop there. We're unfinished, so we got to move forward. Let me just recap what happens at the cross. One thing that happens at the cross is we've been set free. Romans 5, 6 says we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are free from sin at the cross. We are secure, Romans 8, 38. And I am convinced, uh, uh, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life. Uh, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Not, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from God's love or from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We're secure in the cross Nothing can separate us from God's love. He is chasing us down. We are justified at the cross. Romans 8, 1 says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong in, uh, to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of that sin that leads to death. We are justified at the cross. But we are unfinished, as I said a minute ago, and the whole point of what I'm saying today, we are unfinished. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I'm confident. I'm confident that he started it. He's faithful to complete it. Uh, there's a few of us in here. We like to start projects. We just don't necessarily like to finish them. This is where you get to hit your husband. Bam. Right there. He's talking about you. Listen up. Okay? We serve a God that is faithful to complete what he has started. If he has started in your heart a love conversation, he has put a new affection on the inside of you. He is faithful to disciple and develop you through that process until it is complete at the second coming of Christ. That may be in this life. Could be in the next. Or not the next, but... 
could be in the resurrection. You may be dead, right? And Jesus' return comes. It could be when you're alive. It could be when you're dead. Whenever it comes, he's faithful to complete it. That work. Amen? Now, here, here's the hard thing. Everybody likes refuge, as I talked about a minute ago. Everybody likes refuge. You know, the apostle Paul went around and preached Christ crucified. He preached salvation through Jesus Christ by no other works. It's simply through faith in Jesus Christ. So he went throughout. The gospel spread throughout Jerusalem and went in multiple different towns, Philippi, right? Greece, went into Greece, went into modern-day Turkey, better known as Asia Minor back then. He went into all these multiple places and started churches on this. Christ crucified, salvation through Jesus Christ and Christ alone. People came to Jesus Christ. People were being saved. Churches were being set up, right? He set people up. Hey, Christ crucified. Let's surround ourselves around the message of Jesus Christ. Let's love each other as Christ loved us. And people were coming to faith and people were coming to the church and man, people were being saved and the Holy Spirit was moving. But now you start to look at the epistles. What happens? First Corinthians. First Corinthians is a letter by Paul, the, the head of the church that formally, uh, um, formally sued Paul whenever he was in Corinth. This individual, years after he sued Paul, would come to faith in Jesus Christ, and then he starts leading the church. Now he's leading a church that has saved in Jesus Christ, but now is operating in dysfunction. They've allowed sin to seep in. They liked grace. They just didn't necessarily like the hard conversations. And so what's Paul doing? He's writing 1 Corinthians saying, let me tap that backside. Let me bring you some truth. You, liked, you like Jesus, but if you love him, you're not going to be acting like this. One of the questions was this. Um, hey, uh, this sexual immorality deal, uh, we got a guy in our church that is having a sexual relationship with his mother-in-law. Is that cool? Paul's like, uh, by the very fact that you have these issues in your church tells me that you are immature, tells me that you don't even know what you believe, right? We're talking 15, 20 years after a church was set up, Jesus Christ, amen, refuge. Now the living's happening. And Paul's coming back in to say, Here's some doctrine. Let me give you some clarity. Here's how you live in righteousness. No, it's not okay for a man to be hooking up with his mother-in-law. Are you crazy? All this sexual immorality that's going on. If you are in Christ, you don't act this way. So his letters to all these churches were correction. They were coming in saying, hey, you like Jesus, but if you love Jesus, you're not going to act like this. The Holy Spirit is not going to lead you towards destruction. So he brings in a conversation to say, Close your, clothe yourself in Christ. Get rid of sexual sinful desires, selfish sinful desires. Clothe yourself in Christ and please the Spirit. Okay? And so I'm going to jump into these scriptures right here. We're going to read the scriptures straight out. So you can't be mad at me. I'm just bringing you truth. We should have a desire. We are unfinished. There's a work in progress. Sanctification is a process. We're trying to get the junk out of our lives, follow the Spirit's leading so that we can please God with our life. We are all unfinished. Nobody in here, no matter how long you've known God, no matter how long you've served in church, it does not matter. You are, we are all unfinished. We are all unfinished. A work in progress. But here's the deal. We may like Jesus and we may have run to the cross 
But we got to love correction just as much as we love the grace. Because what is it? God disciplines the ones he loves. Correction comes to the one to say, I love you so much. Don't live like that because you will end up in destruction. Okay? This is doctrine. So just because the church may be getting hard in the paint right now because we're living in a chaotic world and the church is saying, hey, man, that's not the truth of his word. People have hijacked the gospel for social movements. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Jesus' salvation through Christ Jesus, and we all are saved by grace, right? There ain't no social movements. This isn't hijacked by individuals. This is God's message for humanity that we are all in darkness, not for political gain, not for power grabs. So Paul is bringing this back to say, cool, you love, you like Jesus, but will you live for him? So he goes on to say in Philippians 3, we read Philippians a minute ago, but Philippians 3, verse number 17 says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your life after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you, uh, I told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross. Woo! They like Jesus, but they're living in the church, sinners, and they're actually enemies of the cross because they're mocking God with their lives. So he goes on to say this, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think about uh, this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. What is he saying? There's individuals in the church that are serving their appetites. This could be a physical appetite. They can't control what goes in their mouth, so they're living lives of gluttony. This could be they can't control what's going on in their minds, so they're living lives of anxiety and stress and disorder, right? They're, they're, this could be greed. You know, They can't control the, the appetite with, uh, for gaining and attaining, so they're living a greedy life. And these appetites that we have, this lustful desires that are on the inside, they can't control this stuff. What do you say? They're headed for destruction, right? So he's, he's coming in to say... You can't live like this. There's got to be something you're moving towards of righteousness. You can move down to Galatians 5, verse number uh, 13. I'll read to verse number 17. So go with me. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to what? Satisfy your sinful nature. Modern day terms. Don't live your life making choices off your feelings satisfying a moment of temporary gratification. Modern day terms right there, right? Don't live on emotion. Don't live on feelings. Get your pampers off, grow up, and realize you live in a sinful world that's not about you. It's about the kingdom. This is about denying ourselves, as Jesus said. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. That's what this is about. Walk away from your sinful nature. But these individuals are walking in it. So he's having to come in with a paddle and be like, bam, bam. So don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to what? Serve one another in love. Right? That's exactly what I'm talking about out here. This person, I was free at the cross, but now I'm going to walk in judgment towards the world. Really? Henry, use your freedom. Right? Henry. Henry, you, I'm just going to include him a part of our church today. Henry, what are you talking about, bro? Use your freedom to walk in love. 
For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destruction, uh, destroying one another. Verse number 16, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. That sinful nature wants to do evil. It wants to disobey God, wants to walk in disorder, wants to walk out of alignment with the order God has for humanity. We see this all over our world today, more today than we've ever seen in our lifetime. Said, and the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You got a professor in your, high, in your, your school, you got a teacher at your school, you got a bad mentor, you got a bad celebrity, you got an individual that's walking in sin that is saying, live how you want to live. I am a pastor, we are a community of people that says, don't live according to that nature. It's headed for destruction. It's actually a mockery of the cross. Don't live on your feelings. Grow up. Get your pampers off. You were created perfect at the cross, but now it's time to achieve that perfection. It's time to walk away. If you follow the spirit, you won't be doing what your sinful nature does. What is he saying? If you have an affection that is not Jesus Christ, more than likely your life is going to move in a direction that is evil. That's why I will sit here today to say any person that does not profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior more than likely is operating in evil. You may not see it. They may be able to hide it. That's why I don't get behind political characters. I don't get behind anybody that does not profess Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. BLM ain't behind them because Jesus Christ is not their Lord and Savior. Not one of them is professing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Not one. Social movements, not one of them is professing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Not one. I get behind people that say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Why? Because they're walking in the righteousness of God. They're walking in the truth of his word. They're trying to accomplish, uh, uh, they're trying to accomplish peace. You know, uh, they're trying to accomplish um, love on earth through the power of the cross, not through a man's ideas. They're trying to create love for all people, but bringing people to Jesus Christ, not bringing them to man's ideas. That, that's the difference. That's why I'm like, dude, where is the church? Where's the African-American community, the church of the African-American community standing up and saying, this is our movement. We're going to stand up for this. Where's those pastors standing up? I haven't seen any. I want to get behind some pastors that are like, we're going after this because we want to lead all these people back to Jesus Christ. Because we're all, we're not, we're not, you know, we're not Jew or Greek. We're not well, men and women as we talked about last week. We're all saved by grace. We're all under the same heading. We're Christians now fighting for the same thing. Everybody to come to know Jesus Christ and us to walk as believers united around him. Not united around a kingdom here on this earth, united around the kingdom that we can't see. You know, and that's hard. That's hard to talk about. And I get it, but man, when we pull back to, we're not living in our sinful nature, man. When we walk by the spirit, it leads towards evil. Ah, but when we, lead, lead, you know, we walk by the spirit, man, we, we honor God with our lives. Verse uh, Ephesians, you skip down. No, I'm not gonna read that one. We're gonna go into Colossians 3. Colossians 3, I'll start with verse number six. It says this, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. 
because these sins, uh, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, right? When you used to be a part of your hometown. You used to be a part of that, right? But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. You are no longer that creation. You are no longer who you once were. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We stripped all the chaos off. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Amen? Amen. You get to know him. You become like him. Let me just ask you, who is your mentors today? Who do you listen to in your life today? Who do you tune into today? If they aren't following Jesus, it's time to get a new mentor in your life. It's time to get a new influence. If it's Cardi B, don't be surprised you're shaking your thing up in the club. You know? Your mentor has led you right down to that destruction, okay? Let's be honest with you, right? I'm trying to make it as relevant as possible. <laughs> Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know, know your creator and become like him. Right? This affection. We were coming like him. We're not, oh, we're just here living how we want to live. Right? Something, we're here for something greater than that. An emotion, a feeling, a temporary time. Right? We're, we're meant for something far greater than that. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, as I said just a minute ago, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Every social movement right there can just come into this. Where's Jesus at in it? Every social movement. Where's Jesus at in it? Tell me where Jesus is at in it. You believe in Jesus Christ? Why are you doing this then? What's the point of it? What's the purpose? Okay. I'm, trying, I'm debating if I should say one of these stories or not. I'm just thinking, I'm like, hmm. But one of these families on an individual that was killed by a police officer is still waiting for the money that was raised by BLM. BLM is not giving it to him. It's like 16.5 million or something like that. BLM didn't dis distribute it. It's crazy. They're waiting for their money. Like, where's our money at? You used our relative to raise the money. Where's the money? If you don't look beyond the instance and look into the details six months after, you won't see the true intent of the individuals that were using an event for their own gain and their own purposes. They know an emotional encounter will get people, ah, ah, ah. but where are you at six months later when the real truth comes out on what's going on? Come on, we in Jesus Christ. This movement ain't going nowhere. It's all about Jesus Christ. It will always be about Jesus Christ. We're here to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It's not about circumcised, uncircumcised, Jew or Gentile. It's about us. Jesus Christ. We're living for this thing. So let's go. Let's build something great. Let's commit ourselves to something bigger. Let's not live on the whim. Let's push forward to something that stands ahead of us. Romans 12, 3 would say, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation, your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. What is he saying? Don't be arrogant and don't be ignorant. 
doesn't matter what you know. Be gracious, be humble, right? John the Baptist lived at the same time as Jesus. He was a predecessor to Jesus to speak of the Messiah that was coming. He actually baptized Jesus. When his ministry was popping off, Jesus' ministry was popping off. John would say this in verse number 30 of John 3. He says, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. The focus must be on Christ and becoming more in love with him. John the Baptist had a ministry at the same time that was saving people. People were being healed. He was baptizing people. They were doing incredible things. And then people were like, well, man, like Jesus' ministry is popping off. What do you think about that? And he's like, that's the whole reason why I'm here. He must become less, more and more. I must become less and less. Let me just tell you today, this is where we are. The same place John the Baptist. John the Baptist was legit. The boy was sold out. He created his own clothes from, uh, you know, from animals and he ate locusts and honey. The boy was like, like Bear Grylls or something like that. <laughs> He's just out in the wilderness like, you brood of snakes, who told you that you were, you were dead and in sin and you needed to be saved? He's like going off on religious people. He was, like going, he was like legit. But even John the Baptist said, I gotta become less and less and he must become greater and greater. I gotta know him more. What is the affection inside of your life? Is it the here, the now, the temporal? Or are you putting to death your sinful nature and you're walking by the spirit to honor God? What are you doing with your life? What are we living every single day to do? What are we here to accomplish? Is it to gain and attain or to live for something greater? I love this quote. You can go get a nice little book to read right here. It's Spurgeon Sermon Notes. But he has this quote in here from Dr. A.J. Gordon, he says this, Daniker, the German sculptor, sculptor, spent eight years in producing a face of Christ and at last wrought out of one in which the emotions of love and sorrow were so perfectly blended that beholders wept as they looked upon it. Subsequently, being solicited to employ his great talent on a statue of Venus, he replied, after gazing so long into the face of Christ, thank you that I can... Uh, now turn my uh, attention to heathen, uh, heathen, heathen goddess. Here's the true secret of weanness from the worldly idols, the expulsive power of a new affection. I have heard the voice of Jesus. Tell me not of aught besides. I have seen the face of Jesus. All my soul is satisfied. What is he saying? I spent seven years looking into the face of Jesus, sculpting something with passion, with emotion, and the, the mere sight that people, when they saw this after seven years of my work, they would just begin to weep. And you're asking me to create a sculpture of an idol? How could I move my affection away from the creator of the universe, my savior and my Messiah? How could I do that? I've heard his voice. Why would I do anything else? My question to us today is, is our affection. Have we spent seven, eight years, eight years focused on all the wrong things and here today our lives is littered with sin? Or are we saying what this sculptor is saying? We've looked into the face. The moment we met Christ, we looked into the face of the creator, my savior, and my affection has been there. So every single day that there's temptation for me to walk in my selfish, sinful nature, who do you think I am? Am I crazy? How can I turn my affection for just something so perfect to so, something so destructive? How can I do it? 
It's a question we all have the answer today. If our affection is Jesus every single day, he is the center of our attention. More than likely, we're going to let the spirit lead us into truth, into good works, into love for all of humanity. More than likely. But if we're caught up in our selfish, sinful nature, it'll be littered with chaos. We will be a mockery to the cross, an enemy of the cross, as Paul says it. An enemy. This is the power, man, when we walk and say, at the cross, I used to be X, Y, and Z. Man, I used to be that person. I used to be this. But at the cross, man, I am justified. I am free. I am no longer a slave. Man, I, I'm adopted into the, the kingdom of God. I'm a co-heir with Christ. The same power that raised him from the dead is the power that lives on, on the inside of me, right? I'm not going to live a life of sin. My affection is not to accomplish my will. It's to accomplish his will. So how can I walk out of my house every single day and push towards efforts and endeavors that are contrary to building the kingdom? Right? The only way to do that was to be thinking about the past and what was and, man, what it used to be. And, man, when I was like, when I was like dad and, man, all the, the fun around that. You know Hebrews talks about? How can you save a person that has experienced everything, salvation and the spirit of God and, and community with brethren, and then they walk away? How can you save that person? You can't because they've experienced all the goodness and chose darkness, chose destruction. Jesus was not good enough. God was not good enough. And they chased after the world. Who can save that person? Scary. Question is, where's your affection at today? Or are you pressing on to achieve that which was started in you at the cross? If you are, then you got a testimony to share today. You got something to share as Revelation is talking about. You're an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the power of your testimony. The blood of the land that has saved you and the testimony of where you come from, that now you're kicking the devil upside the head every single day. But what if our lives are being lived here today, not as a reflection of Christ, but a reflection of our sinful nature, but we say we're saved? Who are we going to tell that testimony to? They're like, yeah, we don't see it. Thank you, but no thank you. That's that do as I say, not as I do mentality. And the reality is nobody's going to follow that. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Do as I do, right? There's power in our testimony. And here today, what I'm saying is we are unfinished. We got to move forward to possess that perfection which started inside of us. And as we are on this journey, it's not about being perfect. We're going to screw up. Yes, it doesn't mean we're going to hell. But if we screw up, right? If you, go, if you don't go show up to work one day, okay, cool. All good in the hood. Show up the next day, right? More than likely, you're not going to get fired. But if you live a life of not showing up to work, you ain't going to have a job. It's the same thing with God. You show up every day not serving him, he'll let you live away from him for the rest of your entire life. That's hell. You wanted life away from him? You got it. But as a follower, you're saying, I'm waking up every day to be at work for him. He who started a good work is faithful to complete it. I'm going to keep on plugging away. Because I got a testimony. What's your testimony? Come on, what's your testimony? What's your testimony? Who did you used to be? You got to be able to say it. Who did you used to be? I was greedy. 
I was an idolater. I was a, you know, walking in sexual immorality. I was a fornicator. I was an adulterer. Man, I was a, uh, I was stressed out. I was anxious, man. I had all my worry. I was my own Lord. I sat on my own throne. Man, I was tore up from the floor up. I was an addict. I was, a, you know, all kinds. You can say, oh, I used to be. You used to be something. If you can't say it, more than likely you're not living as an overcomer because you ain't sharing that testimony kicking the devil upside his head. You're complacent. You're like, oh, I don't need to share it. I'm good. You know, my faith is personal. No, it's not personal. It's never meant to be, never meant to be personal. Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples. He didn't say, hey, go into the world and keep your testimony to yourself and just live a good life. He said, go into the world. If we're going into the world, man, and we are pushing, pressing on, man, we get to share testimony everywhere. Amen? So let's pray today. We're not going to sing out. We're going to pray because we're 10 minutes over. God, we come to you, Lord, as an unfinished work. You know us, God. You know the details of our life. You know every hair that's on our head. You know every thought that is in our mind today. You know every sin we created, that we committed. You know every word, every idle word that has come out of our mouth that was rooted out of our heart, God. You know our dysfunction. But you still love us. And Lord, you have taken us from chaos. And Father, you've taken us into the light. You've brought us into peace. You brought us into joy. You brought us into love. And today, Lord, I pray that every testimony in this house, God, is not received in apathy. It's not lived in out in apathy, God. But Father, is lived in power. Father, the, the testimony of our lives helps us overcome inside of this life. It's the remembrance on who we used to be, but your power to help us overcome. Your power to save us, God. Lord, may we speak our testimony with power. May we encourage people with our testimony. May we be encouragers of your word, God, with the life in which we live. May we show up every day to honor you, pressing on to receive that which you started on the inside of us. You are a faithful God, and we trust that you will complete it. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen, amen, amen.